everybody. Get ready for Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. A foodie born and bred, my wife Nikki loves chatting up chefs, dining out, and insider industry buzz. And my husband David thinks a great meal is nothing but a good burger, a frosty brew, and a check for under $20. Because he is cheap. Well, maybe so, but foodie married beast anyway. And together we've got the food and wine variety show that has everyone talking. It's Foodie and the Beast, and we are on now. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis on a beautiful but crisp weekend here in mm-hmm. D.C. Uh, Want to, again, uh, thank our brand-new sponsors, ProFish, The Pointed Buzzer Point, uh, Tony and Joe's, Nick's Riverside Grill, and Ivy City Smokehouse. Mm-hmm. We love being supported. So if you're <laughs> listening and you're not a sponsor, shame on you, and give me a call. Um, do you want to say – oh, actually, we want to mention we had we had a great dinner at a new restaurant in Georgetown called Lavant Garde. That's true. And Georgetown could use some great new restaurants. Well, I think Georgetown is getting some great new restaurants. Um, Stephen Starr is going to be opening up there uh, later yeah. this year at the old uh, Dina DeLuca space. And now uh, Michelin star chef uh, Epi has opened up La Vanguard. It's really a fabulous high-end uh, French restaurant. Uh, it's The food is amazing. The service is terrific. And the space is really fabulous. I have to say, that kind of dining is usually a little too frilly for me. But it was it was amazing. It was a little stressful bringing David there, I will admit. I did not know whether or not he would like it. And he did. <laughs> Give me a beer and a burger. Yes. Okay. En Francaise. All right. Okay. Um, if I can quickly just remind people, the holidays are coming. This is actually our last show of uh, 2022. Praise the Lord. So I uh, want to remind people to go to the We are covering everything happening from Feast of Seven Fishes, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, even if you don't celebrate Christmas, all the great ways to eat. Of course, there are holiday activations happening all over the D.C. metro area. So many ways to see lights. It's mind-boggling. And uh, then, of course, getting ready for New Year's Eve. So all of that is on there for you. Of course, also follow me at NYCCI, N-E-L-L-I-S, so you can stay on top of everything. So first joining us is an old friend of ours, John Crin. Uh, he's the CEO of Wine Layer over in the West End. That's the U.S. outpost of the European Wine Bank Network. It's a private network and gathering place, members only, mm-hmm. where they can get to their climate-controlled wine lockers, and uh, there are other. they've got a great cocktail and spirits program, too. So John's going to be... Uh, Talking wine, pouring cocktails and all of that. And also we should mention that your Industry Night show broadcasts out of the wine land. I think I've mentioned that every week, but go ahead. Executive (laughs) Chef Badr Ali and Chef Kelly Suarez from the Gerard Street Kitchen are with us. It's at the Darcy Hotel downtown. Mm -hmm. They've got a really interesting mix of flavors that get served there. I mean, sampling Japan, Morocco, Korea, also British food, Italian food, Indian food. Sounds good. Sounds like my eclectic mix. They're going to be joining us, and they brought samples, which Mm -hmm. Daddy loves. Rebecca Halpern is the director of a great new documentary, an award-winning documentary called Love, Charlie, about the life and work of acclaimed chef Charlie Trotter. Uh, He earned rave reviews, Michelin stars, legions of fans and imitators, and a lot of controversy. Uh, Rebecca's in to give us a 411 on that shortly, and we're going to hear all about Nikki has seen the documentary. I haven't been able to see it yet. But it looks great. Mm-hmm. All right. And if you're worried that the holidays are going to blow out your muffin tops and mess with your ticker, relax, Max, because Gerard Coach G. Burley is here. And he is Burley. He's a big guy. Man, he's going to. He's going to. Yeah, he's, he's like Burley in a good way. He's Burley in a good way. Yeah. Yeah. I think he looks a lot like me, actually. But, <laughs> yeah. but anyways, he's yes, here to help. Your physiques are really with, similar. With some timely tips. <laughs> 
Wait, I haven't flexed yet. <laughs> okay. With some timely tips about staying in shape despite all the holiday eating mm-hmm. and then what to do with your muffin tops afterwards, right? All right. So let's uh, uh, bring on John Crin first. John, we've known you for 100 years. You we opened 2941. You, really you had Enox. You had Clarity. You had a lot of things. You and I ran into each other when you were consulting at Booz Allen Hamilton, and they were my client. It's been 30 years, almost. Almost. Damn yeah, near. 20 years. And let's, now let's you're not, a... Let's not over-exaggerate. No. <laughs> 20 years. No. We went from 100 to 30 yes, okay. to 20. <laughs> now, you're, that's, now you're at the wine layer. Yeah. So give us a little 411 on the wine layer. I'm still hooked on the fact that I think maybe you and I are burly in a bad way. Right. he's burly in a good way. I think burned out is the... Burnt out. Okay. So yeah, um, very uh, uh, excited. I've, uh, early 21, I, I joined as CEO of Wine Lair, and uh, uh, we've been working hard on elevating this uh, members and guests uh, private restaurant now, private restaurant wine and spirit club. Mm. Um, well, let's talk about that yeah. distinction because when Wine Lair first opened uh, during the pandemic, um, it was specifically a <clears throat> private wine club, uh, an iteration from one in Europe, correct? Yeah. So I'm, it's um, – I have actually – the first thing I'm going to be pouring is is uh, a Riesling from our collaborative German oh, partners. Oh, favorite. Not yeah. for Nikki. No, right. <laughs> it's, it's, You're trying gets, to get thrown off the show already? She gets something else I'll tell you <laughs> about. Like, but, it's uh, like I get trolled. Go ahead. <laughs> no, you're not allowed to have it. <laughs> okay. Even if you want it, okay. Um, but I was the 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 concept, the the physical concept in Germany, um, built by a good friend of uh, of the owner here in the United States, was uh, um, was a little more simple in the business concept. So I was brought in uh, to evaluate and 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 elevate if I saw fit, and that's what we've done. I mm-hmm. took a uh, had a great staff embedded already and added to it, and we're uh, diversifying and elevating everything we do, and it's become something that's extremely unique in DC, I must say. I've never been involved in a sense a private um, dining club mm-hmm. and drinking club, but now I am uh, getting really into it. And it's a lot of fun. What was the what made you decide to add the dining component to it and also and also the spirit component to it? Because there's a full bar there. I mean what you're just looking for a more well rounded experience. It's I mean people that love well, everybody loves food, so you gotta have that. Right. Um, and that's my background, so that's what I'm gonna do naturally. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's how you offer value. Um, uh, in addition, uh, a lot of people like wine, like spirits, but and you know, even if it's separate. This yes. is smart because I mean, even back in the eighties, there were and yes, I was there <laughs> and people walked upright. I wanna eighteen eighties. But 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 um, <laughs> Have someone else start your car. No, but but I mean, there were wine clubs. There were private. There were yep. there were iterations of this earlier ones, and they didn't have any food. They had like little pick food, and you can't just sit around and drink. I mean, you can, but it's not that pleasurable to sit around and drink wine with nothing really good to pair with it. It seems to be, and I went over to Germany uh, to visit all these clubs. There's 11 of them now in Germany and Austria. Um, and, and I saw the same thing. I'm like, all right, that works over there, but doesn't work over here. So that's why I, I change it. All right. Well, right. with that, what are you okay, pouring so first? The, Look at the me. first thing we'll do is, uh, but we'll start with wine, then we'll move into spirits after. But, um, mm-hmm. uh, the wine I brought, uh, not for Nikki, is a Riesling, um, that is a, a fifth generation winemaker in the, in the Rheingau region, which is the only place that the Rhine River turns east-west versus north-south. Hmm. Um, so if you go there, you'd see you'd see these wineries just packed into this Rheingau and Mosel region, which are the best German wines made. Um, and when I say the hills are steep, they mm-hmm. are steep. 
Okay. Um, which makes the the way they face the sun makes great wine. So those are the first All ones. All right, great. Let's, let's pour that out. Let's, let's pour that it. bad boy in. We're going to turn to uh, uh, Executive Chef Bader Ali and Chef Kelly Suarez from Gerard Street Kitchen, which is in the Darcy Hotel downtown. Guys, welcome to the show. Um, why don't we start off with a little bit about you, Chef, and Kelly, a little, well, Chefs. We'll yes. start with uh, Bader um, and then Kelly, hear a little bit about your backgrounds. Sure. Uh, my name is Bir Ali. Uh, I was uh, I've been cooking for about thirty some years. Mm-hmm. I used to work in Washington D.C. with Michelle Rashad. Oh, really? At her. Central? Yes, yeah, Central. Or or no, at Citronelle. At, at Citronelle. 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 Wow. <laughs> and you know our friend David Deshays. Yes. Yeah. Okay. David. Right? Yes. And then uh, I've been uh, traveling, uh, cooking. I I grew up with a uh, with a family that uh, lived to eat, so cooking was always in my heart. Mm-hmm. So and I was uh, I grew up with uh, Lebanese cuisine and French cuisine. Uh, went to China, so we did a lot of cuisine there. Mm-hmm. Uh, went to the Middle East, Egypt, and different areas. So I, I. So wait, were you in China and the Middle East as an adult or as a child? Adult. Okay. Yeah. So it was part of your cooking. A, a cooking experience. Absolutely. Okay. And and how did you wind up back here in DC again? Uh, well, I always lived. Uh, I mean, when I came to the to the U.S. when I was fourteen, that's the first place I was. In, uh, in the, Washington D.C. Okay. Yeah. And what brought you to the Darcy? The Darcy, I've been. Uh, Darcy was is uh, is owned by Northwood Hospitality, mm-hmm. so I've been with them for twelve years. So Darcy is part of that. That's great. Oh, yeah. so you've been traveling around with them, and now exactly. you're back here. Exactly. Okay. I love. I love that you mentioned Michelle. He was on the show probably ten times. Yeah. Yes. And and he's always my had, mentor. I always had to hold him off, away from Nikki with a chair and a whip. <laughs> oh. He was a very. Um, you are so beautiful. Mm. I know, but he was. Uh, I loved him. He was a, such a like generous spirit. Yep. You know. He really was. All right, and Kelly, what about you? Yeah, hi, Kelly. Hi, yeah. Kelly. So Kelly and I met before because I have dined at the restaurant. Yes, I had And she really put out a, um incredible meal. Um, and it, the restaurant is so not what you expect. So tell us a little bit about your background and then how the two of you found each other. Okay, so I'm from Colombia. I studied over the culinary arts. Well, that I traveled to Italy, France, Spain, and Argentina. Mm-hmm. Since I have memory, I love everything about food. And through a company, I came to USA to start working in Florida, mm-hmm. and I met Chef Ali in Naples Grande. And then I we came to D.C., and mm-hmm. we found each other again. <gasps> Chef Ali offered me a job. I was so happy to be back working with him mm-hmm. because I have learned so much. And we started working together and creating this sushi bar, the Omakas experience, and putting a lot of flavors all over the world. On the restaurant, mm-hmm. so much fun. Well, let's talk. The name Gerard Street Kitchen doesn't really tell you what to expect in the restaurant. Right. It could be anything. Right, yeah. and especially so, because it's a restaurant in a hotel, yeah. right? And it's it's the Darcy Hotel, so a lot of people, it's not like a chain that people recognize or anything like that. So we're really starting from scratch. So how did you two decide what you wanted Gerard Street to be? Well, the, uh, the Gerard Street is a market in uh, is a market in uh, London. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it does inter- uh, world cuisine, so that's why the menu reflects that. Makes sense. Okay, so that's why you see Indian, Mediterranean, Japanese. Right. But- it is. It is a real uh, trip around the world yeah. on the menu, which I think for some people, when you read that menu, you're kind of like, "Can they do it?" Do you well, know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, that's the question. It's like this horn of plenty, well, but how do you stock the shelves? Well, every dish on that menu is our favorite, so everything has been studied. Done and grew up with, mm-hmm. like the the the, the Moroccan uh, tagine. 
I grew up with that. Uh, the what do you call it? The, the sushi. It was always in in our past doing sushi. So. Well, can we? I want yeah. to talk about sushi because yeah. you go from having this like complete, you know, around the world experience with mm. the menu, uh, and then there's this dedication to sushi and the omakase bar. Why? Uh, wait, we have to take a break. When okay. we come back, and I'll be trying some sushi. Yeah. Why don't we get into? <laughs> how you execute that, why you're doing it, and what people can look forward to trying. This is David and Nikki Nellis. It's Foodie and the Beast. We'll be back in just a sec. You know, Nick, back in the day when I worked for Hex, the Hex Warehouse is over on uh, New York Avenue, and we hated being sent over there to do stuff because there was nowhere to eat for lunch. It was a wasteland. Well, not anymore. So the Ivy City area has exploded. And, you know, the very first restaurant over there was the Tavern at Ivy City Smokehouse. Now, this is a great neighborhood restaurant, but it's also a destination restaurant. First of all, they smoke all their seafood, and that is incredible. But it also is a huge kitchen that does amazing dishes, fresh seafood, great burgers, the whole deal. But the space is what you really need to check out. An amazing outdoor patio where you want to sit and have cocktails. They do live music there all the time and other live shows. And there is a great event space. So if you're looking for a place to hold a wedding or have a party, you definitely want to check out the Tavern at Ivy City Smokehouse. Well, it's uh, about 20 years too late, but now I have a good reason to go over to Ivy City and the Tavern at Ivy City Smokehouse. All right, we're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. Uh, Chef uh, Bader Ali and Chef Kelly Suarez from Gerard Street Kitchen have just unveiled their sushi and their Korean wings, right? Yes, Korean. And I haven't dug in yet because Nikki has to take her pictures for, mm-hmm. but boy, that looks good. So, I mean, it kind of gets back to to, you know, sourcing for all of this and having it at the ready because it's a pretty big menu. Yep. So, how does that work? I mean, how do you? How do you manage that? A lot of work, a lot of great uh, assistants, a lot of great employees. Uh, everything has to go through uh, a rigorous uh, work uh, workflow. Mm. So everything we, we source, we have certain companies that send us certain things. So, but let's talk, Let's, as I said before we took the break, let's talk a little bit about your sushi and your omakase menu. What made you decide to go that route? Because you're already running a restaurant, you're supplying, you know, you're doing food for a hotel, which is already a, a massive take on, right? So why add a component that, that requires so much attention, like an omakase menu? Absolutely. It's, uh, we have a great, talented uh, sushi master right here, is, uh, Kelly. Right. So, uh, and that's her focus. Her focus only She's on She's nodding, sushi. by the way. <laughs> she is. She is. That's so, why she has these sushis. Mm-hmm. Kelly, how did you get into sushi? I mean, you're from Colombia. What was your pull to sort of the Japanese cuisine? So I, I learned a little bit in Colombia. But mm-hmm. then I started working in Florida. Right. Jeff Lee started the sushi bar at Naples Grande. Mm-hmm. So he, he brought a, a sushi chef from Key West to train mm-hmm. me. So this chef trained me really, really well. And we opened our sushi bar. Okay. So then I started like falling in love with the art, the Japanese cuisine. You know how delicate, how you have to focus on the quality of everything that you do, right? The, the fish, process, the rice, all the of rice. it. How yes. important is the rice? You know, mm-hmm. I, I fall in love with that. And then I started studying more and studying more. And then I came to D.C. and Chef had the idea to open the sushi bar in the Gerard Street Kitchen. As mm-hmm. I say, he's a global influence, right? And he, he, he likes to eat. He loves to eat. And he loves the omakase experience. Mm-hmm. So since the moment that I started working, he was like, well, we're going to start doing the sushi. But my goal 
is do the omakase. Okay. So you I know said, that omakase in English means, oh my God. Right? <laughs> it is, leave it up to you. So you trust me. You come mm-hmm. and I set up a menu for you, nine course menu. I always ask you, okay, do you have any food restriction, any sensitivity? I, 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 I want to know a little bit about you. Right. And then I create a menu with my, my, my co-workers. That, as Chef say, we have an amazing team. Mm-hmm. We work all together. And our omakase is a global inspiration. So we have crispy rice. We have also global, uh, the Korean wings. We mm-hmm. have a little bit of everything. Can deceive us. The dessert is like a trio dessert. Sometimes we do like a mini acai ice cream with crunch bar, uh, chocolate hazelnuts, mm-hmm. a little bit of creme brulee. So it's healthy and fattening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Chef Ali has amazing recipes. So. so talk a little bit about these two dishes. The shrimp dish has a real kick to it. I wasn't expecting that. It's the spicy tuna. Yeah, that's spicy tuna. tuna? Well, what's that? There's the spicy tuna on top, and then that's the shrimp tempura. Mm. This is my uh, favorite roll of Your favorite roll? It looks delicious. And she makes it incredibly well. Wow. And then? And this is the vegetarian roll. has uh, a daikon, avocado, and mango salsa. And she also makes her own soy sauce dip. It oh. has, uh, what does it have, kombu? It's very unique. Yeah, yeah. We, we customize it to our, how we like the flavor. So right. we, it is not that salty. It mm-hmm. has a little bit of bonito flakes. It has kombu. So we exhale the umami flavor. Mm-hmm. So it's very unique when you taste it. Uh, people really see the difference. And there's something really cool is the name about the, the role that you guys taste first. It's called Water Match. Mm-hmm. And it has this beautiful name, what a match, because it's the perfect combination between the crispy tempura uh, shrimp mm-hmm. and it has the soft, s- salty, spicy uh, tuna and the sweetness of the rice. So once you put it on your mouth, you have crispy, sweet, salty, right, sour, like all, soft. You mommy, like all of it. Yeah, it's like explosion of flavors on your mouth. So it's mm-hmm. like, what a match. It's really, really right, nice. But how many people are in the kitchen? Because okay. this sushi takes time. Right? Yep. And all the other dishes take time. You must have a huge staff. Seven seven people in the kitchen wow. at one time. Mm. Well, that makes sense. Move like wildfire. All right. So we have to wrap up with you all. Yeah. Tell me quickly, um, what are you guys doing with the holidays? Do you have a lot going on? Yes. We have a Christmas menu, four course. Okay. And we have a New Year's menu, which is five course. Okay. Plus the champagne. And, uh, and then we also have a New Year's brunch, Ooh. Uh, three course with uh, mimosa bar and a Bloody Mary bar. Yeah, I think everybody yeah. should start the new year off right, right? So yeah, either mimosas or Bloody Marys for everybody. Yeah, Great. Tell everybody, please, where we can find you all. It's 1515 uh, Rhode Island Avenue, mm-hmm. uh, Northwest in Washington, D.C. Okay, great. great. And that is Gerard Street at the Darcy Hotel. Thank you both for Thank joining you. us. Right. And everybody yeah. else Thanks come so over much. and have yes, some. Yes, please. Good. All right, John, back to <clears> you. So, I mean, listen, I have been to the wine lair. I come weekly because I do industry night out of there. But for people who haven't had sort of the pleasure of being in yet, can you take us like on a little walkthrough of the field, the space, and how uh, chef, uh, chef's food, because you brought in a fantastic chef, how like what she's doing is sort of uh, leveling up everything. So Chef Kane is Agbu. Um, I brought in about two months ago. She has... Uh, a year at the French Laundry, two years at Addison in, in San Diego, mm-hmm. and three years at Kinship in Metier. Oh, so right. she has no street cred. Yeah, yeah, nothing. Right. Her no resume street cred, sucks. Right? Right. Yeah. Right. I was lucky, actually, because the connection came through her brother who used to work for me. So mm-hmm. that's sort of how it goes uh, when you've been around, uh, which was nice. And uh, so she's creating a, a daily menu, uh, cart and tasting, that um, that matches with all sorts of wines. A lot of custom customization of the menu because people are 
pulling their own wines from their locker mm-hmm. and their own spirits. So we do a lot of pairing. But what are the dishes? Um, she's doing uh, uh, 48-hour braised short rib. She's doing uh, uh, black bass with onion sous bise. So like she's, real food, which is a departure. Oh, yeah. as like seen. you can tell she's worked at Laundry, Addison, and right. Kinship Metier. Right. Like, I will say her um, – that just her dedication to sort of the style, like the charcuterie platters, which have become ubiquitous, mm-hmm. you know, at restaurants and bars yeah. nationally, internationally – you know, sometimes people just put like some ham and cheese on a plate and call it a charcuterie plate. No, we've, we've but tried to beautiful. Tried to elevate everything. The safe way right. charcuterie. Yeah. Yes. Right. Right. Her, her techniques, uh, her techniques are stellar. Mm-hmm. They really are. It's fun to see. So, do people come in and, like, if I'm a member, can I arrange a dinner? Is that sort of the Absolutely. thought process? You can either come. You can either come in and just go cart, or you can arrange. You can arrange a special dinner. Uh, with wines that you know you're going to pick. Mm. Uh, you can bring in 10 people, 20 people. But if um, I come in off the street, it's tough noogies unless I'm a Well, you're not member, a member. Right? Well, I understand that. But if I'm Correct. a tourist and I see it and I walk through the front door, what happens? Correct. It is, it is, a, it is a members and guests club. Uh, mm-hmm. same, same, the parking, same rotunda as the Ritz West End. Uh, which is neat. You got a lot of people watching and car watching and sure. dignitary watching and protests uh, like and on protest watching, <laughs> right? <laughs> I know yeah. stuff you only see in movies. Right. Like, yeah, I'm like it's really happening. No, uh, stuff which you is see fun. In, it's I think it. it's more like stuff you see in DC. Well, that's true. <laughs> Very true. I just haven't been in DC in a long time. Okay. I've been what are you pouring sticks. next? Okay, next is a it's the last word. Mm-hmm. Uh, last word is a, 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 a traditional gin cocktail, but we replaced it with uh, mezcal. Uh, La Vida Mezcal, Lubba and then Lubba. it's all right. So it should be a lot of lot of fun. I know it's a little late to start day drinking, but we're catching up. Okay, great. Let's hit it. <laughs> all okay. right. So now we're going to turn to Rebecca Halpern, who, as mm-hmm. I said earlier, is the director of Love Charlie, which is the award winning documentary about Charlie Trotter. Uh, you and Rebecca had an extended conversation. Yeah, on so Re- night. Uh, I did a panel discussion about the movie with Rebecca and. But- uh, but, uh, Are well, you interrupting uh, me? No, I am. Only okay. to say I want you guys to start off with, for, you know, there are people that know the name Charlie Trotter and know that he had, you know, Michelin star restaurants and all that. But he was clearly two two very different sides of the same coin. And I'd love you guys to start off and just explain who he was before we talk about everything he did. Hi, Rebecca. Hi. <laughs> We're like um, best friends now, I feel like. <laughs> I know you so well. <laughs> I, I'm very fortunate to be with you, Nikki, twice in one week. I know, it's so, been great. So, yeah. It was so nice we did it twice. It's so nice we did it twice. So I think David does have a good question. I mean, uh, Charlie, uh, Charlie Trotter, for those who are really vested and know food and uh, are interested in the history of how, you know, this culinary world has changed so much in the States, know who Charlie Trotter is. But not everybody does. Yeah, Charlie Trotter uh, revolutionized fine dining in America. Mm-hmm. He was singularly responsible for putting Chicago on the map for food. Mm-hmm. You know, in L.A. and Hollywood, it's known for the entertainment industry. New York, it's Broadway and finance. And in Chicago, it's architecture and food. And it's all because of Charlie Trotter. So much of what we have come to identify with fine dining these days tasting menu, a table in the kitchen, uh, you know, vegetarianism as a sort of centerpiece of the meal, all of those things and many more are uh, attributable to Charlie Trotter. But I think his greatest contribution to the culinary world 
was his vision when it came to cookbooks. Mm -hmm. Charlie Trotter took cookbooks from instruction manuals to coffee table cookbooks right. that were works of art with the photography and the style of design that he used in, in his books. And he made 14 of them. And uh, I think, you know, so much of what we consume today in terms of food content, whether it's on television with Chef's Table mm -hmm. or it's on our Instagram feed. Right. Think about be... it. He was really before his time. Because think yeah, about. I mean, he was the godfather of food porn. There's no other right. way to say it. Totally. Totally and completely but, with you. But I got a question because he was also incredibly mercurial and ran his kitchen like a despot. And so. It's sort of interesting that he managed to keep staff and turn out, continue to turn out great food because I get my question is, and I don't know the answer. I mean, was there a lot of turnover? Because he was a beast. There was a lot of turnover. Mm -hmm. um, Charlie Trotter was an excellencist. He coined that term for himself. People like to say he was a perfectionist, but he thought that was boring. Perfection is all about the outcome and excellence is all about the process. It's about the love and care and detail that you pour into everything that you do. Mm -hmm. And he lived that ethos to the nth degree. And if you didn't see the world in the same way that he did and you didn't approach it the way that he did and you didn't take his challenging you to be more excellent, you weren't going to last in his kitchen. Right. That's why there are legions of, of chefs who believe in Charlie Trotter and love him and credit him with everything that they've become. And that's why there are legions of chefs who hate his guts and have sued him. And, right. And, well, you know. But was that ever apparent to, to diners? I mean, was he always sweetness and light when he came out and worked the room or did people see... The, you know, the cranky side. I think it was a bit of both, don't you? Probably. I mean, people in the kitchen, I'm sure, sitting at that kitchen table a couple feet away from him saw it. But he was very performative. He knew when the cameras were on him. Mm -hmm. He knew when people were watching him. And it was very hard for us as filmmakers to find any footage of him being the tyrant that everybody claimed he was. Isn't because I think he had this innate sense of people were watching him. So um, it was pretty interesting. You know, Grant Ackett's from Alinea, who mm -hmm. we feature in the film, only lasted two months at Charlie Trotter's. And yet he, the way that experience for him has been sort of um, talked about in the media, you know, you would think he was there for years. It's so true. But it's the opening of Grant's book. I mean, I think it's like chapter two. It's like Charlie Trotter. And he's, you know, it's over. It's over in a page. But that story has such legs. Everybody sort of remembers that story. Wait, we Grant have fell in love with Charlie because of Charlie's cookbooks. Right. Charlie literally seduced Grant through his cookbooks. Mm -hmm. Grant became this like, you know, he became a huge fan and fell in love with him in much the same way that a, a cult leader you know, right. seduces his followers. Jim Jones. And then when Grant got into the kitchen and the scales fell from his eyes and he saw what Charlie really was, you know, it wasn't what he needed in that moment for himself. To succeed. But the journey that we paint in the movie is one of Grant realizing that what Charlie stood for and how he approached the work is not bad necessarily. And now he finds himself acting like Charlie all the time, which I thought was really remarkable. Totally. Okay, wait, hold. Let's put a pin in that. We have to take a quick break. Uh, this is David and Nikki Nellis, Foodie and the Beast. We'll be back in just a sec.
All right, we're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis, uh, speaking with Rebecca Halpern, the director of Love Charlie, all about the ups and downs of working with and and living with Charlie Trotter. Um, but so what we haven't discussed is why you decided to do this movie to begin with. Well, I was lucky enough to be invited to this party. Um, our producer, Renee Frigo of Oak Street Pictures, she is the founder of Lucini Olive Oil. Mm-hmm. And Charlie Trotter discovered the olive oil, championed it, brought it with him on Oprah. And you can imagine the rest was history for Lucini. Mm-hmm. So when he passed away, she wanted to pay homage to him. And uh, it was through a mutual connection, the actor, rapper Common and his people that I was recommended to direct. And um, I was very lucky to win the job. I have to say, I, I, I don't know why I didn't come up with the idea because my mother was a food writer in Chicago in the 1980s and 90s. Mm-hmm. I grew up in Charlie's hometown. We went to the same high school. I felt like everything that Charlie was about was sort of ingrained in me in a way. And, um, you know, I walked into that meeting feeling like this was my job. You know, I was born to make this. Movie. And how did you want to tell the story? What 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 did you because because he does have a yin and yang story, right? Like there is the success of the man, the restaurants, the books, the TV shows, all those things. But then there's, you know, the other side and, you know, his manic behavior and his, you know, I in when I watched the movie, that's what really came to me. He was manic he was there was a mania in the way he was about things and I don't mean that in a negative way I just think that that's how he behaved he was manic about his excellence he was manic about his service he was you know he went in and my guess is he became he became uber manic when things started to go south when, mm. when taste changed and the economy changed all of that and he suddenly couldn't keep up or keep ahead mm. I only knew of Charlie Trotter, what I read in the media and what I heard my mom talking about. I never met him. I never ate at his restaurant. Mm -hmm. So for me, I really wanted to kind of explore who he was as a person. And so much of of his legacy was rooted in all the awful things that you saw towards the end of his life that really kind of cast a pallor over the rest of his career, Mm -hmm. which was really remarkable. And so... I wanted to understand who he was as a person. You know, Francis Ford Coppola distills his movies down to one word, and that one word drives everything that he does. So for The Godfather, it was succession. Mm -hmm. You know, for us, it was about identity, understanding who he was, how Charlie Trotter's identity became consumed by this role of chef Charlie Trotter that he had to play. And and then ultimately what happened when the stage that he was performing on as Chef Charlie Trotter went away, you know, where do you go from there? And for him, he passed away a year later. Yeah, I mean, it's and like the see, stress killed him. Yeah. And we see the identity shift in the film because before he opened the restaurant, everybody called him Chuck. Mm-hmm. He, You know, you say it's manic. I think it was just this like unfettered passion for life and Mm -hmm. like he was voracious when it came to culture literature film music his vision and his passion for living and experiencing things and soaking them all up was really evident in everything that he did and he wanted to share that with people and the way that he did that was by creating two different 10 course tasting menus every night at the restaurant. So, you know, Chuck became Charlie Trotter and Mm -hmm. Charlie Trotter became 
Charlie Trotter. Right. And then, and then where do you go from there? It was almost like the restaurant corrupted him in a way, the success, the fame, the fortune, all of that. And, and he lost sight of his true self. Well, mm-hmm. can I ask a question? Because it's no secret that then, and maybe even now that a lot of drugs infected with everybody, you can't, you can't go 12, 13, 14 hours a day, six days a week, um, uh, without it having some kind of an effect. Is there, was that part of it or not at all? I don't think so. Alcohol was a piece of it for Charlie. And I think we, we, you know, we allude to that in the film. You see it in his face and his whole physique Mm -hmm. change. You see it in his behavior, the way he talked to the media. Um, I didn't want to go too deep into the dirty laundry of Charlie Trotter Mm. because I didn't want to make this a movie about alcoholic chefs. And I didn't want to make this a movie about, you know, um, all of that. To me, this was a film about identity and the fact that his identity became consumed by his work. And That's you do it. an amazing way of telling that story. I mean, the the film is really fascinating because you really you, you take us to through all of it and you you bring in so many people. I mean, Wolfgang, pa- I mean, I could listen to Wolfgang Puck. I said this in our other thing. I mean, I love Wolfgang. He's such a character. And but you had Wolfgang there. You had Grant. You have Rick Bayless. I mean, you have all these people who Emerald. Emerald. Oh, Emerald, right? I mean, um, and I thought the story, actually, the story that I thought was really interesting was sort of as Charlie Trotter was almost on his decline, but he went to that event and Anthony Bourdain uh was just, you know, irate that nobody knew who Charlie Trotter was. And I thought that that was so interesting, right? I think that's a function of the fact that Charlie Trotter came up at a time before social media. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he didn't really get to use it as a tool for himself. And um, so a whole generation of chefs and people and foodies just have no idea. And that's why this movie was so important. Well, I'm going to jump in. Unfortunately, we have to stop. But can you tell everybody where they can find this incredible movie? Yes. You can rent or purchase the movie on Apple or Amazon, Mm -hmm. and uh, it's going to be released in Canada at the end of January, and we're working on international distribution now. So we're very excited to share it with the world. Great. That's Love, Charlie. And then you can hear Rebecca and I talk more about Love, Charlie, while we're at the Wine Lair uh, on Industry Night, which will be coming out in a couple of weeks. Rebecca, it's good to see you again. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. And speaking of the wine, Lair, hey, let's go back to John Quinn. Okay. Well, I personally can't wait to see this movie because uh, I have eaten at Charlie uh, Trotter's back in the day multiple times in Chicago. And uh, when I cooked in France in 1997, my roommate was a longtime sous chef of Charlie Trotter's. So we had a lot of late nights of stories. And the guy was a fantastic chef. So I can't wait. He was a fantastic chef, but I will tell you um, – Literally the next day, I was at an event, and this um, uh, very famous uh, female mixologist, uh, Brooke Albert, uh, I, who lives in Chicago, I sort of said to her, "Oh, I just, you know, did this whole thing about Charlie Trotter," and uh, she was like, "Oh," she's like, "Yeah, a lot of us in the industry do not want to see that movie because she had worked for him." She's like, "I have PTSD." She's like, "She's like, I don't care." Yeah. I was like, "Wow," but you know, you don't. The people who work there really struggled with his temper and his mercurial behavior. And then the people who ate in the front of the house, you know, Listen, didn't. If you've ever, and I did, as you know, work oh for somebody God. like that, it leaves, it scars you. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like being in combat. 
right, so John. All right, next is, course on our uh, next course on our drinking tasting menu, we're going to do a, a barrel pick. So a barrel pick is a specific mm. uh, bottle that was in a specific barrel uh, mm. that I go down to a distillery and uh, taste upwards of ten different barrels and pick one and then and then get the bottles from there. I've done forty one of them, mm-hmm. uh, forty of them in Virginia. Now this is my first one in uh, in D.C. through the wine layer, and it's a Wilderness Trail rye from Danville, Kentucky. Cool. Now, let me ask you, why do this kind of stuff? Because it's is it what the clientele is asking for, or do you just want to raise the level of the kind of service and offerings that you have? I, I think in the hospitality business or any business, the, the, the more diversified value you can offer, the mm-hmm. better. And it the vibe just sort of expands and trends and people start having a good time. We're lucky. I mean, this is what we do for a living. We just try to have a good time and and make it intriguing for people. So uh, I'm into all those things. So I figure maybe people want to hang out with me while I do it. Okay, cool. We're here for it. All right. While you pass that out, we're going to get in shape. Coach G, come sit down. Coach Uh, G. uh, I just remembered when we met. We were going to do personal training, remember? Yeah. Yeah, what happened to that? Look at me now. Look at me now. Beautiful. So Gerard Burley, uh, more affectionately known as Coach, Coach G. G, he's yes. a wellness strategist. Whoa, I like that. and he just broke the chair. <laughs> they said I'm Burley. Yes. So, in a good way. So so talk a little about yourself. Your company's called Sweat DC. Um, talk about it. How did you get into this in the first place? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I'm from Baltimore. Um, and you know, well, that's reason enough. There we go. I'm from Baltimore, so I had to go into fitness. No. <laughs> Uh, I think my philosophy to fitness is really a lot less about, like, the physique and everything external and more of the complete holistic side of someone. And I never really saw in the studio fitness space, like, an inclusive space that really was like, hey, we're going to build you up from the inside out. Like, one thing that I think a lot of people in the industry know but won't talk about is 80% of the people who are starting a workout plan or a journey are not going to see the exact goals that they think they are when they first start. But 100% of people are going to feel better. So why don't we, like, lean into... But how many stick with it? It depends, you know? It depends, like, how... I mean, honestly, probably, like, 50%. Because that's my history. Yeah. I start, and I go a couple of months, and then, and then you know, I start again. It's hard to stay with it, because... I, I see. Mean, I, I don't disagree with hate, that. Don't people hate going to the gym? They do. I don't Once think... you get there, it's okay. No, no, no. What, did the... you ask a question and then answer well, I'm it? Saying, I'm saying... <laughs> that's what it sounds like you just Don't did. you hear that people just hate the whole... Like, I hate having to come here, and then when I get here... I'm committed. I got to do it. Yeah, I mean, I, it's it's psychological, right? Um, what you focus on grows. So, right, if you focus on that, you hate every aspect of it. Right. Then, yeah, you. you're gonna hate every aspect of it. You're like but, manifesting it. You're yeah. like saying, I hate the gym. Uh, then you get to go. the gym and you See, hate it. See, it's mental. This, we're gonna have a whole session today. Yes. All right. This is actually, uh, you know, intervention. We're here. Right. So. <laughs> It's too late. Well, so, the, the coroner is waiting for but, me. But, but kind of lean into what you said. One reason, like, I created Sweat. Sweat, when you walk in it, it doesn't look or feel like a gym. Mm-hmm. It looks like a nightclub. We have lights, uh, red lights going, music is bumping. To me, the workout portion is the least important part that happens. Our coaches, like, I don't even care if you're certified or you did all this educational type stuff. I care if you're a good person and people want to spend 45, 50 minutes with you. Mm-hmm. Can you create a vibe? Can you make people feel inspired, motivated? Because you're right. It is hard to wake up every day and say, all right, I don't really feel like doing this or it's the least last thing on my list. It's not like pouring wine. You know, it's easy. Hey, you got time to go to happy hour? Yeah, you always have time. You got to get time to work out? Uh, I don't know. So let's make it a fun, inviting experience and let's not focus on 
the sweat portion. Let's have a good time and build community. All right, we're going to have to take, take a, break, a break, break, but where? just real quick, where is Sweat, D.C.? So we're right on Georgia Avenue, a few blocks north of Howard University. Right. Um, we actually moved to a new location through the pandemic that's even bigger and even more of a nightclub feel. Cool. So, um, yeah, come check us out. All right, hold on one second. Uh, <laughs> David and Nikki Nellis, Foodie and the Beast, will be back in just a sec. All right, we're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis, and we're talking to Coach G, Gerard Burley, who is the owner and founder of uh, Sweat DC. And I got to say, this is a big year for you because you were named a, uh, an athletic apparel brand ambassador for Lululemon. Very yeah. cool. Lululemon. I'm Show me the them. Benjamins. <laughs> exciting. So yeah. what does that mean? So you just get to wear all their clothes? Yeah, I mean, for me, more it's an opportunity. Now? Uh-oh. You <laughs> I don't have to wear Yeah, these are Lululemon That's pants. Right. <laughs> right. But for me, it's more of an opportunity to uh, get a bigger platform for the things I'm interested in and mm-hmm. create a bigger opportunity for people who might not always have the opportunity to go to some high-end studios and fitness stuff. Um, Lululemon kind of backs me on a lot of community projects that I do. I think two weeks ago we had a bunch of kids from Dunbar High School come to a cycle studio, and I taught a cycle class for them. Cool. And they'd never seen that before, and – you know, those type of events, we get to operate. I also run um, these workshops for other POCs in the fitness industry who are coming up and trying to learn how to be entrepreneurs. So, like, all the stuff that I didn't know how to do, and I, I tell them, I did this wrong, so I'm going to make sure you don't do it wrong. So showing them and giving them a little bit of guidance, and Lulu always backs me on that type of stuff. That's, That's amazing. Great. Being a mentor uh, to help people, raise people up in the industry is amazing. I'm officially old now. So no, that's, you are so not. So it's my time, it's my time to, <laughs> okay. to give a little so bit of <laughs> Let's talk about your workout club. So you say it's like a nightclub. What does that mean for the physical? Like if I'm coming in, what's my experience? I meet with you or I meet with one of your trainers. Are we just walking around lifting weights, or what are we doing? How am I staying in shape with you? Yeah, so we focus on strength and conditioning. Uh, I think throughout the pandemic, we used to be, like, hit training. Like, our old condition was a 1,000 people in a small room, like, jumping around like we used to, and that mm-hmm. was a little bit more spaced out. You kind of want to think of it more like uh, group personal training, right? So you're going to be in a real program, um, working through – barbells which are probably like one of the scariest things to do in the gym or we get to teach you how to do that okay. you have a real coach coach is going to be on microphone uh workouts are going to be on the screen and we're going to be walking around with you so you get to like actually learn how to get stronger we're kind of like focus on strength training there's a lot of studies going out that showing that strength training is like where it's at mm-hmm. everyone thinks it's cardio but we're going to teach you how to feel better and uh one thing i like to focus on also is like we have a lot of control over strength right as you get older, as things change, as your hormones operate, your body might not always look like you think it wants to look reacting to certain workouts, but I can always control. If you come to see me three times a week, you, you will be stronger in four weeks. You will be stronger. So we have a lot more control there, and I think that's a good way to kind of stay motivated for people. Well, I think for a lot of people, like for me personally, mentally – Cardio is like, I know I need strength training. And I think the pandemic was a real switch for a lot of people because I was doing a lot of strength training pre-pandemic because I did a lot of like high impact dancing. And now I don't. And all I do is cardio. And I know what I'm missing, but I don't know how to integrate it back in. Do you know what I mean? Like Sweat DC. Sweat DC, I mean, obviously. <laughs> but I think it's a real change for people. You know, the the pandemic sort of shook everybody up differently. All right, but enough about us. Let's talk about, because you're here to help people figure out how to sort of avoid packing it on uh, the holidays, as opposed to in January going, oh, my God, I, I put on eight pounds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I mean, between November to January, a lot of people pack on 30 to 40% of the weight that they're going to gain for the year. So if you Is that can, true? Yeah. So, oh. you, I mean, just think about, like, we were even talking in the lobby, like, how many holiday parties you're going to and whatnot. So mm. a few tips. One of my biggest tips for anyone, uh, eat before you eat. So before you actually go to a holiday party or a holiday gathering, uh, take in a little bit of healthy food at home, like maybe even a protein shake, something like that, so that your brain isn't on like, I got to scavenge and eat everything, but you can actually make conscious decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing, like if you're, especially if you're at like a house party or something, pick the smaller plate, right? The smaller plate would just, that way you can still enjoy it. Right. You can still enjoy what you want. I'm not going to say like, Coach G's the mean person. You got to eat salads every time, but you can like kind of move down a little bit on your um, you know, consumption. Mm-hmm. So what do you do if your white wife bakes 48 pumpkin breads and gâteau bretons? <laughs> Give it they're away. All sitting there. <laughs> That's what and they're, they're all for. sitting there. They are to name. be given away, but he's like crying like a puffy. Like, yeah, you didn't make me any. I can't have any. I didn't say it that way. I said, I don't get any. Yeah, I it went it something like that. Like that. But, well, those are really uh, good pieces of advice. And then what do you suggest for people? Like longevity, I think David started us off saying, you know, people give up. With January, everybody's like, I'm going to get back into the gym. How do you, how can you help with longevity? Or what are some of the things that you say to people that keep them going? Yeah, I think it really helps to find a community. I think that's one of the biggest powers of like Sweat DC or other communities. Even if sweat's not your place, find your place and find your people. We're more likely to let ourselves down than let other people down. So knowing that psychologically, find other people that you don't want to let down, right? So find a community, find a workout partner, um, maybe diversify your workout some, maybe get two or three that are out of your control. I have a trainer. I see a trainer four days a week. I've been a trainer for 20 years, Mm -hmm. but I need, especially as I got into uh, ownership, my lifestyle is different. Mm. I'm more sedentary. I'm running around doing a lot of stuff like on paperwork and whatnot. So I needed a trainer and I had to like really be real with myself and say, I need the appointment. I need the accountability. And there's no shame in it. It's like a doctor having a doctor. Right. Right. Very or cool. a chef going to another restaurant. Right. <laughs> you know, like, it's, it's okay. It's also it's okay to be inspired by other people, right? We, we need it. We're humans, right? Exactly. <laughs> All right, Coach G, where can we find you and Sweat DC online and on Instagram, please? Uh, SweatDC.com. Uh, we actually have like a lot of intro specials coming in for the new year, so come check us out there. I'm on Instagram at Coach G Fitness or at Sweat DC, and uh, always here for any tips or anyone just needs some motivation or you can do it. Excellent. Thanks, Coach. It's so good to see you again. All right, John. So what does Wine Lair do now as a private club that you're doing events? So how do how do we navigate that? Because we can go right to events. Yeah. So uh, some of the events are for members and guests only, and mm-hmm. then others are open to the public. OK. Um, and just like any club you would join uh, that the, the organizers of that club want to fill the calendar with things that are intriguing. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can look on uh, on. Talk. talk, not TikTok. Right. <laughs> <laughs> talk. I got young people to yes, that. Yes, okay. <laughs> um, uh, or online or on our website mm-hmm. uh, to see what, what is open to the public. Uh, and more and more as we gain more membership, then maybe a friend of yours is a member that can bring you as a guest, and maybe you're intrigued by that too. So. Right. That what does it fun. cost to be a member? Um, it's the a base membership is a $5,000 initiation, then 300 a month, and that gets you uh, a prime space locker. Uh, that holds 50 bottles. And then just as any other club, uh, when you come in, you can you can either drink your own or mm-hmm. you can purchase from us or you can 
uh, and also uh, pay for the own. dinners that you. That well, you, do we? Uh, I mean, is, and, and do most members just buy through you? You know, it's interesting as 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 the relationships develop, um, and we have four WSET uh, level three sommeliers on staff. They're absolutely mm. fantastic. I'm trying to maximize their skills also and and enable them. Um, then members and get members and guests start buying from us because we have access to things that are very hard to acquire, right. whether it be wine or spirits. Sounds like a good deal. I, that is an interesting part of it because they're already collectors because they have this wine locker, but you can actually help them attain yeah. maybe something that they're looking for. And some are major collectors and some aren't. Some are into the education uh, mm. and are just starting. So it's neat. Everyone's playing the sandbox together. Um, and it's a lot of it's about the logistics. The closer you are, the closer you live and work, the more often they're going to use it, the more value it attains. Excellent. All right, John, thank you so much for joining us today. I know you made us one last drink. A perfect Manhattan made with another one of my barrel picks, Old Elk. It's a weeded, um, a weeded bourbon out of Fort Collins, Colorado, distilled in Indiana. We have to wrap up. Okay, tell everybody, please, where we can find the wine lair. Uh, this Right next door to the Ritz-Carlton West End in the same rotunda, 1120 22nd Street Northwest. Excellent. And Wine Lair DC on Instagram and on uh, and online, right? That is correct. Excellent. All right. Thanks so much. All these shameless plugs. Okay. So we <laughs> want to thank you all for joining us today. We don't have a lot of time, but we do want to wish you all a very healthy and happy new year. If you celebrate Christmas or Hanukkah or Kwanzaa, celebrate safely and with your family. Uh, we want to thank you all for joining us every single week as we do here on Foodie and the Beast because we appreciate your listenership and we cannot wait to celebrate with you in the new year. Be safe out there and have a delicious week.